Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. And maybe as you're being seated, I know we're supposed to social distance, maybe you just turn to somebody, give them an air high five or whatever you want, and then you can be seated after you do that. But it is great to be with you. If you haven't yet done so, do me a favor, uh, open up your app. Open up the notes section. If you haven't downloaded the app, go and do that. Share today's message. I know you're at church. We have found that uh, sharing what, what's going on at your church is such a great way to, to invite people to church. In fact, uh, in, the, in the gym uh, this, this past, past few weeks, I met uh, the young man at the front desk, and he stopped me, and he said, hey, are you Pastor Steve? And I was like, I didn't know if you were checking up on me because I haven't been here for two years. And so... <laughs> And I was like, yeah, he's like, I've been watching Journey Church online. I'm planning on coming during the week. And I was like, man, somebody shared this message. Uh, it got to his page. And now he's planning on walking through the doors at, at some point. He told me he was coming today. I don't know if he's here today or not. I'm not going to call him out. But he's going to come at some point. And I believe the Lord's doing a good work in his life. And so, man, share what's going on today. You should be excited about the church you go to. If you're not excited about this church, go find another church you can be excited about. But we should be sharing the message of what God wants to do in and through people's lives. And so today we are in the the middle, the the third week of a five-week series called Pray Obey. We talked about trust. Last week I gave you bad news. I gave you uh, the other side of, of obedience, disobedience. I called it the heartbreak of disobedience. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about the attitude of obedience. Attitude is everything. Anybody have kids? Attitude is everything. Anybody have an employee? Attitude, even if they're doing their job, if they're doing their job with a bad attitude, attitude is everything. When it comes to following the Lord, attitude is everything. And so we're going to talk about attitude next week. And the last week, my favorite week, we're going to talk about the promises of obedience. I'm going to give you the really good parts, the the parts you can take to the bank. Uh, Today is really important, though, uh, we're going to talk about hearing from God. How do you hear from God? And here's what I know. I think a lot of people complicate this. I think a lot of people are overwhelmed by the thought that they're going to listen to this God they've never seen, probably never heard, uh, and they're going to respond to doing what he's, what he's called them to do. I think it's overwhelming. Uh, we overcomplicate it. Uh, a few years ago, I was at the park with my, my, my kids, and when we're at the park, I always encourage them, go, go make friends, like go, go play with kids, go meet new, new people. And one year, a few years ago, uh, Lincoln, my middle son, was there, and there were some kids playing, and, and, and I said, go talk to them. Go talk to the, those, that little boy. Go make a friend. And, and he looked at me with all the seriousness in his eye, and he's like, I can't. I can't do that. And I said, well, why not? Like, go, go talk to them. Go play. Go play tag. Go do, you know, American Ninja Warrior, whatever you want to do at the park. I'm like, go, go make a friend. He's like, I can't. And I said, why can't you? And Lincoln, his voice was kind of high back then. And he, he, went, he went, because he speaks Spanish like that. And I was like, he speaks what? He speaks Spanish. And I'm like, well, how do you know he speaks Spanish? Well, I don't know that he, he was Spanish, right? But we live in Phoenix, so it's very diverse. I'm like, what do you mean he speaks Spanish? Well, he's Spanish, so he has to speak Spanish. And I thought to myself, even if he does, everybody, the universal language of tag is you hit somebody and run, right? <laughs> like, even if you don't fully understand what they're saying, you can say it, right? Or whatever the word is in Spanish, and you run, and you scream, and you have fun. You don't even need to speak. In fact, most of what you say to your friends, nobody knows what it is, right? Like, nobody can figure out what you're talking about. And I think this is, we're like, we don't, we don't hear, we don't speak the same language, but I want to show you how, how practical, how ap- applicable it is, because the truth is God doesn't want to be hard to find in your life. 
In fact, watch what it says in Scripture in the book of Proverbs 8. It says, I love those who love me, and I seek those who, who seek me. Sorry, my notes just messed up. I love those who love me, and I seek those, and, and those who seek me will find me. And then it says in Matthew 7, watch this, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be open. Which of you if, you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake, right? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good, give good gifts to those who ask him? So listen, it says, I'm not going to be that hard to find. If you ask, you'll, you'll find. If you seek, if you knock, I'll open doors, right? If you love me, We'll have a relationship. If you seek me, I'll let you, I'll let you find me. This is, this is the principle. It's all about effort. And I want to show you this today as we work through this. I want to take you to an Old Testament story uh, in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you were here last week, you remember I talked about a man named Saul. Uh, and Saul, his path inter- intersected with the prophet Samuel. You guys remember that, that part of the story? And Samuel was the one who came to Saul and said, listen, you didn't listen, you didn't listen to God, and so now you can't be king anymore. Samuel's main job is, is to listen to God and do what he says. And so I would argue your number one job or responsibility of, a, of being a Christian is that. You, you figure out what God is telling you to do, and, and you go do it. Many of you are, are delaying what God wants to do in your life because you won't say yes to what he's currently asking you to do. You want the whole plan. That's not often how God will work. And here's what I tell people all the time. The reason that God doesn't give you the entire plan is it probably freak you out. You'd you'd be like, I can't do that. I won't be able to go there. I can't handle that. So he gives you just the next step, and he just wants you to trust him. And if he calls you to something, he'll get get you there, right? And so watch what the Bible says in 1 Samuel 3. It says, the boy Samuel ministered before before the Lord under Eli. So a little background of Samuel. His mom's name was Hannah. Hannah had trouble getting pregnant. One day she went to the temple, and she prayed so adamantly to get pregnant uh, that the other women in the temple thought she was drunk. Like she was... She was losing it. She was slobbering, and tears were coming out of her eyes, and she was begging God for a baby. She finally told God one time, you ever been here when you tell God this? She said, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. If you, get, if you do this, it was the Homer Simpson moment, right? You ever watch Simpsons when he's like, God, if you do this, I'll serve you forever. Maybe, maybe you're not a Simpsons fan, but I've been here, right? Like where you say, I- I'll do this, God, I'll give it back to you, but you got to do this in my life. So she says this to God. She says, if you give me a son, I will entrust him. I'm not going to hold on to him. I'm not going to grip him up. I'm not going to be controlling. I'm not going to be a helicopter mom. I'm not going to over sanitize him. I'm going to give him back to you. And whatever you want to do with him, you can do. Which, by the way, if you're a parent, should be your prayer. If you want your kid to walk in security and value and identity, it will never be formed in you. You should always be praying, God, this is your kid, this is your son, this is your daughter, whatever you, you want to do. Of course, selfishly, I think, God, keep my kids in Phoenixville. Send somebody else's kids, you know, to Africa or Asia to be a missionary. Keep my kids in Phoenixville, right? That's a selfish prayer. But the real prayer is, God, these are your boys. Do whatever you want to do with them. So Hannah says to God, you can have Samuel. And that's exactly what happens. He gets to, to the right age, I believe, 12 and uh, Hannah takes Samuel to the temple and says, Eli, here's my son. I told God that he would serve him. And so here he is. Can you train him? And so Samuel starts to train uh, under Eli. And his main job of his life, he's going to be the prophet for God, which means he's going to speak on God's behalf. His main job is to listen to God and say what he's saying. 
listen to God, and that, that's what prophets do. They take, take what God's saying, and they do it, right? That's his main job. So if that's your main job as a prophet, you need to learn how to listen to God. And there's a really inter- interesting uh, situation in his life. The Bible says in those days, verse number one continues, the word of the Lord was rare. There was not many visions. So the, the God didn't speak that much to people in that time. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. You know, he was on his recliner. He had fallen asleep watching TV like our dads did, right? And so the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God, ark of God was, the ark of the covenant, right? If you've watched Raiders of the Lost Ark and all stuff, you know what I'm talking about. This, they carried around this, this ark, and the ark represented the presence of God. It had, it had really important artifacts in there, the Ten Commandments. They, they carried around this ark. Everywhere the ark went, the presence of God was presumed to be. So he is sleeping in the presence of God, the Bible says. The Bible says, uh, then, then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, here I am, and he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. So you, can you get this picture? Eli's falling asleep in front of the TV, right, remote in his hand, slobber. Samuel comes running up his 12-year-old boy, Eli, here I am. He wakes up, what, 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 what's going on? Right, I'm not sleeping. That's what he's doing right there. I'm fine, don't turn it, right? That's what our dads used to do. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lied down again. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. He says, my son, you're waking me up and bothering me. I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He was where some of us, he doesn't fully understand how the Lord speaks. The Bible says the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you again, here's what I want you to say. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. If you take anything else away from today's message, you should highlight that. That should be the main prayer of your entire life. You ever notice your prayer life, if you're a prayer, has more to do with what you're saying? Right? God, and then it's awkward and you're done listening. And God's like, well, you just shut up for a couple minutes. And I'll speak to you. But I don't want to sit in awkward. You ever, you ever, you ever sit in, 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 in silence in your car? Right? It's awkward. What do you start doing? You get, you get your phone out. You put music on. Some of you get on, on if you're sitting at a light, you get, you get Facebook out. For me, I was at a checkout line yesterday. We were checking out at BJ's, and it takes forever to check out at BJ's, so we're checking out. And my natural thing, just get my phone out. I'm always like, why do you always do that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just awkward and quiet and silent, and nobody's talking, and so I'm going to get on. And this is what we do. We don't like silence. We don't like waiting. We don't like listening. We don't like awkwardness. And so we want to talk, 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 and then we want to fill our head with noise, but here's what he says. He says, you need to say, speak, for your servant is, is listening. Keeps going. Watch what the, the Bible says uh, if you keep reading in verse number nine. So Eli told Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, speak, the Lord is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as, a, as, a, as at the other times. And Samuel, Samuel, he says. Then Samuel said, speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. This, here it is. Lord, I want you to speak to me. So I want to give you four ways that the Lord speaks to us. Or maybe they go in order. First one, number one is this. How to listen to the Lord speak to you. How to hear his voice. One, most important. Always consult the word of God. Always. 100%. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, your very first step in every situation of your life is always consult the word of God. That's what he says. Speak 
for your servant is listening. One of my friends one time, I was talking to them, and they put it, they put it in this kind of great way for me to understand, it, and then I used it to preach. But he said, one day I was praying, and I was talking to God, and I was talking, and I was talking, and I was talking. And then I opened up my Bible, and I started reading, and what it felt like is God wouldn't stop talking to me. Like, he, he's speaking to me. Like, I'm talking, 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 sharing the thoughts of my life, my heart, my head, everything that's going on. And then I opened up the Word of God, and all of a sudden, it's like God won't stop speaking to me. You see, 90% of the questions that you have about discerning the voice of God, questions you have about right and wrong, questions you have about should I go or should I stay, 90% of those questions can be answered by one simple question back to yourself. Ready? Does scripture reveal that this is something Jesus would affirm in my life? That's it. In every situation, is this something, if I were to ask Jesus, if me and him were, him were sitting here, and I were to ask him to respond, and he's responded through thousands of words in the scripture, 66 books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament, he's responded by speaking to us. The Bible says of itself, it's a lamp unto your feet. It's a light unto your path. The Bible calls it itself a, a double-edged sword. It's able to fight any battle that you're going through. The Bible talks about how it's perfect. The Word of God is perfect, and it's useful for teaching and rebuking. What's rebuking? Telling you you're being dumb. The Bible is there, and oftentimes as a Christian, we refuse to go to it, and we go to other places. And 90%, I didn't say 100%, because I know there's some times where we live in the gray and we have to wrestle with Scripture. But I have found that about 90% of the times in my life where I'm wrestling with something, should I or should I not do it, I just ask myself this question, would Jesus affirm this? Would it be something that he would tell me that that's God's best for your life? That's God's will for, for your life, right? Because here's the truth, and I need you to write this down to remember this. God's will for your life will never contradict God's word. I want to say it again, right? Some of you didn't get it. Some of you are walking in something that is a contradiction to God's word. And I need you to hear me. You are not the exception to the rule. 100% of the time, you will end up somewhere that you don't want to be. God's will for your life will never contradict God's word. It doesn't always make sense. I get it. I found that the word of God is a lot like Ikea instructions. I talked to one of the barbers this week at, at the place I go, and he was moving to a new apartment. He said, I went to Ikea for the first time. I said, how was it? He said, awful, right? The same thing every person who goes to Ikea says, until you become a veteran like we are. And I'm like, no, it's easy. You just go here. You, you, when you go to Ikea, you always get pizza, right? I'm just letting you know, you get pizza, two pieces, and you get two of their veggie dogs. Their veggie dogs will change your life. It sounds disgusting, right? But they're amazing. And then you go to the as-is first, and you find the stuff that people brought back, and you get it cheap. And then you go, and you make your rounds. And you listen, you have to wear those things that you have that horses wear to keep them on track. Or you'll walk out of Ikea with about $7,000 more uh, of purchases than you didn't plan on making, right? But when you get it home, I've taught people this for years. And some of you, maybe, when you get it home, and you look at the first, for the first time in the instructions of Ikea, and you realize there's no words, doesn't it feel helpless in that moment? And here's what I told them. I said, listen, you don't need the words. You just look at the pictures, and you do exactly what that picture is telling you to do. 
right? There's no words, but it's showing you. You don't skip ahead. You don't look to the end. You don't even worry about what it is. You set it out and you do it. If they tell you to turn that screw three times, you don't turn it three and a half times. You don't jump ahead to page number 17. You turn it three times because if you turn it four times, by the time you get to page 17, and now you're supposed to turn it two more times, but you can only turn it one more time because you turn it four times. And now this doesn't lock together and this doesn't lock together and this piece is missing. And all of a sudden you're going all the way back to, to, to step number four and turning it back to two and then you're going forward. Anybody ever been there? And you, you, listen, Ikea will humble you. Am I right? <laughs> I was like, how's you? He's like, I had to call people. I was like, dude, your, your man card is gone, right? Like, and, and the thing about Ikea is you have to trust the process every step of the way. And oftentimes, if you do that, you'll end up at the end. And some people, are like, we, you always get extra parts at Ikea. No, no, you don't. You don't always get extra parts. It's because you skip steps, right? Very rarely does Ikea put extra parts in, in your stuff. You just miss that, that step. And the thing is, in your life, the word of God is a lot like that. We want to skip ahead. We want to make choices for God. We want to, you know, kind of manipulate the situation. And here's what he would say. He would say, just follow the process. Follow the steps. Do what I'm telling you to do right now. We're going to talk about this next week, this thought of obedience. Obedience is not about outcome. Obedience is the point of your life. You let God do what he has called you to do. Why? Because his will for your life will never contradict his word. And here's the coolest part of God's word. Watch what it says in scripture in Malachi 3. The Lord does not what? Come on, somebody tell me. He doesn't change. You guys are, you guys are kind of bad today. Yes. Let's try it again. The Lord does not what? Change. change, right? He doesn't change. Here's what's so cool about that. Consistency is what makes you trusted. Consistency is what makes you trusted. If I go to a restaurant and I order something that I like and I go back again and I order it again and it's not the same, I never go to that restaurant again. I want to know when I order. This is why when people hate on McDonald's, I'm like, I don't know why you hate on McDonald's. They have a billion restaurants and you can go here, you can go across the country to California, you can go to other parts of the world and if you order a cheeseburger, it tastes like a cheese. It's not a cheeseburger, we know that. But it, it tastes like a cheeseburger. It tastes like it's, you can get the french fries, no matter who's making them, no matter what the store, the condition the store is at, you get the french fries, come on, they taste like french fries. So you might hate on McDonald's, but they're successful because they built consistency. Why? Because consistency is trusted. You know this about your parents. You know this about any business that you, that you do business with, right? If you call somebody and they do a great haircut or they do a great job on your yard one time and the next time it gets a little worse and the next time it gets way worse and all of a sudden and they're not there. How many of you keep going? Well, they did, they did good the very first time, so I'm going to keep with them. Consistency makes you trusted. That's what scripture is telling us. I don't change. I'm never going to change. No matter what situation that you're in, if you follow what I tell you to follow, you can trust me because I'm always consistent. I don't change. In fact, one of the greatest scriptures in, in, in the Bible, examples of this is in Psalms 19. I love what it says. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect it's refreshing to the soul. I love this part. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. You know why? Because I feel pretty simple most of the time. You listen to the Lord, he makes you look smarter than you really are. That's what it's saying. Sometimes people are like, how did you do all this? I have no idea. 
I just listened to the Lord and did what he told me to do. When he said move campuses in 2012, move your entire church to, 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 to Phoenixville and close Limerick, we said yes. When he, when he clearly spoke to us and said it's time to open up in June, we opened up not knowing what was going to happen. And our church is experiencing momentum that we have not experienced for a decade. Like God is doing something in our church. It doesn't always make sense, but he makes the stupid people look smart. That's what happens when you just, when you just trust him, right? So I'm like, I'm not stupid. You're not as smart as you think you are, right? <laughs> Ask your wife. And so I'm just telling you, number one, you consult the word of God. Let me just give you, th- let me give you three more. Number two, really important, you ask the Holy Spirit to confirm it. You consult the Word of God, you ask the Holy Spirit to confirm it. Can I make a confession to you today? Uh, sometimes when people call me, or I call them to pay a bill online, and I, and I use a credit card, and I make the payment, and then they tell me, okay, write down your confirmation number. I act like I'm writing it down, but I don't. Anybody else? Come on, let's, like this church, right? Help me, Lord, I have sinned, right? And so, like, it'd be like, it'd be like one, one, three. I, I have never written a confirmation down. I just check my bank. If it didn't go through, I call again. But, but when you call and pay a bill, they give you a confirmation, right, to let you know that you've, you've made the transaction. And so the Holy Spirit is our confirmer, right? The Bible says this in, in John 13. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Romans 8 says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The Holy Spirit is God's presence and power living in us. He's going to confirm it in us. Here's what the Lord has said. Here's the confirmation that he's telling you to go. And here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. Uh, he doesn't speak audibly, right? It's not like he's going to go, that's right, do it, Steve. <laughs> I wish it was like that. But he will confirm in your spirit, right? Knowing what, listen, knowing that his confirmation will never contradict the word of God. The word of God is perfect. And so if you begin to hear something, feel something, you know, go after something, and you're going, well, the Holy Spirit is confirming it, but it's not in scripture, that's not confirmation. That's gas, right? What I'm trying to tell you is, when he confirms, you'll go back to the word of God and you'll go, okay, is this what the word of God has said? Yes, the word of God has said it. And confirmation will come your way. That's the peace of God that, that, transpa- that goes against all uh, under, understanding. But watch, watch this. I think the Holy Spirit speaks differently. Year, years ago, I read an article on, on ways the Holy Spirit speaks. And it made so much sense to me because I'm like, I got to put this into words. And the writer of the article, I forget who it was, said four ways the Holy Spirit speaks to people most, most time. And maybe you'll relate to some of these because we all don't have all of these. He says, knowers, feelers, seers, hearers. Knowers, I want you to take notes right here. Take the one that the Lord speaks. Knowers, feelers, seers, hearers. Knowers are individuals who are intuitive, right? They have the ability uh, to have a strong spiritual gut feeling on what is supposed to happen or the right direction to go. And so I'll give you an example from my own life. My wife is a knower. And I remember when we looked at Limerick in 2007, we walked through this building. We sat with a group of Mennonites, and, and they, they were talking about giving the building away. And I, I didn't know. Like, I was like, it looks pretty rough. It's a lot of work. And we walked out, and, and it wasn't against the word of God. God wanted to build his church we're looking for confirmation, and my wife got confirmation from the Holy Spirit as a knower, and she said, even before they ever voted to give us that church, she said, that's going to be our church. It was the Holy Spirit confirming it. So here's what's cool. We didn't stress out about it. Uh, we didn't get worried when they were voting. There was 30 people there. They had to have this vote. We didn't, we didn't worry it wasn't going to work out for us. We didn't try to make the decisions on our own. We didn't manipulate. She just had a knowing, 
and I just trusted her in that moment. There, there's a knowing. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You just know things before you should know them. Anybody have a wife like that? You're like, how did you know that? They just know things before they should know things. Uh, some people are feelers. They just walk into a situation, and they, they know how it should feel. My wife will do this when we host people at our house. Like, I walk in, and I'm like, looks good to me. Smells, doesn't smell bad? You know, boys have shirts on. We're ready, right? And she's a feeler. We need music. We need, we need, we need you know, these kind of plates and these kind of napkins. And when they get here, we're going to welcome them at the door. And we're not going to be awkward. Don't you be awkward, she says. And let's, we need all this. She's a feeler. She knows she can walk into a business and she can tell you, well, this doesn't feel right about this. When we do an event, she's a feeler. She, this is how a spirit communicates with her. She can walk in and I'll have everything set up. And she'll say, you, you know, move the chair this way and move the seat this way. So now I don't even try to, I just say, ask Leah. Right? She's a feeler, right? I'm, I'm the opposite. I, I, I deal more in the seers and, and the hearers, right? Seers are able to see through pictures, dreams, and visions, right? The spirit will communicate with you through, through, through dreams. So here's what happens in my life. There's been times where we were going to face something, but I already knew we were going to go through it. I was in tune with the word of God, and something was coming our way, and it had already been confirmed in my spirit. Anybody have a dream that's come true? Anybody have a dream? You're like, I hope that, one, that one's not real, right? There's dreams that I've had where conversations were coming my way and the Holy Spirit had gotten me prepared. He's confirming in, in, in my spirit. And then the other is, is hearers, people that are just able to hear from God without actually audibly hearing from him. Like when you write, it's like the Lord is speaking to you. You ever been there? You write things down. I meet people. I'm like, well, how did you, what, where is that from? They're like, I don't know. It's from the spirit. And so first you consult the word of God. Then you ask for confirmation from the spirit. And number three, really these last two will go quick. But the third thing you should always do uh, most of the time you should seek wise counsel. You should, seek, you, you should consult the word of God. Sometimes you just do what it tells you to do. You should, you should confirm it with the spirit. Holy Spirit, confirmation in my spirit. I want the peace that surpasses all understanding. And then you find good counsel. You say, Here what, here's what the Lord is speaking to me. Here's what I found in my life. We often want to surround ourselves with yes people who just want us to be happy and live, live easy. This is not what I'm talking about. This is not what I'm talking about. I think you should find people that are not into blind, blind agreements, but seek to give you what I would call godly feedback. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's a bad idea. That, that might be a, a good idea. Here, here's what I look for in people. Maybe you have your own list. But I look for people that are big faith riskers. I don't want to ask somebody their opinion that doesn't have any type of big faith. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm going to step out in faith. Probably shouldn't do that. Meanwhile, they have played their entire life safe. I don't want their life, Right? I don't want your life, and so I'm not going to ask your opinion. I want to find big faith riskers in my life. I want to find people who I, who I admire. You know why? Because most of the time, the people that I admire are, are farther out than I want to be, and it's not just in success. Maybe it's in age. And I look at their life, and I go, if I, if I turn out like them, that would be pretty cool. right? I don't want to ask somebody who I'm like, I'm going to ask you marriage, but you've been married three times, bro. Should I leave? You always leave. Of course you're going to tell me to leave. Right? Like I, I often don't ask a pastor, uh, you know, about things that I don't feel like. It, let's see. Most pastors stay at the church like five, under five years because after that you're not a hero anymore and everybody hates you. Right? And so I'm not going to ask somebody who's only been, that the habit has been every five years, God has called you somewhere else. You ever notice that's what Christians say when they go do, God's called me somewhere else? What does that look like? He dialed the iPhone. What does that look like? Right? He's called me somewhere else. I get it. He called me somewhere else at the beginning of this year, Hawaii. I wanted to go to Hawaii. 
So I'm going to talk to somebody who's been there for a long time. That's why I've always valued the, the words of my parents. They stayed at their same church for 38 years, which is ridiculous. I'm 40, so just put that in perspective. That's a very rare for a, for a pastor's kid to grow up in one church their entire life. That's why most pastor's kids hate the ministry. Not only do they not see their, 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 their parents, but they never get to make friends because every time they make friends, they move. And so I value their opinion. I, talk to, I want to talk to guys of churches that are out ahead of us. I value their opinion. Same for you. Find people that you admire what they say. Uh, find people who have unwaver, unwavering integrity. Find people who have similar core values. Find people, here's a really important one. Find people who are confident. Don't ask an insecure person if you should step out and do something big for God because they don't want you to, to succeed anyways. So they're always gonna tell you no. Find people who you can ask the tough questions to. I love Proverbs 27. It says, better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. What does that mean? Well, I was telling you, people that you don't want in your life will always kiss up to you and never tell you anything is wrong. What you need is people who will be truthful with you. I remember when we started this church 2005, and uh, it was awful, awful. Like just, just a miserable time in my life. And so he, I want you to understand, when you step out and do something significant for God in your life, oftentimes the next season is filled with a lot of suffering and pain. Just want you to be aware. It's not like you start, usually there's a party when you start, and then the reality of just having to do what God has called you to do sets in, and it's really lonely. So this is what happens when pa pastors start churches. Big day, lots of people come out, family, friends, every person you can get comes out. Week number two, oftentimes the church has gone almost back down to half of what it was week number one, and you just have to pastor this church and figure it out. And it was just a tough time. A lot of people who I thought would be close to me weren't close to me. A lot of friends that I thought would help me pastor were kind of flaky. And I called my friend one day who was not insecure, uh, who, who pastors well, still pastors well to this day, and I said, dude, what's going on, man? Like, what, this, this, this is awful. This is awful. And he told me, he said, he said, remember the life of Jesus? And I said, yeah, I'm a pastor. That's a dumb question. <laughs> and he said, he said, in Jesus' life, there was only one place that he didn't do many miracles. It was in his hometown. He said, it's probably going to be a lot tougher than you thought it was. Because you were probably, if I know you right, I knew you in college, you were probably kind of a moron in high school. I said, that's accurate. You probably were a joker, yeah. You probably were rebellious, yeah. And now you showed up, you know, nine years later, and you want to be Pastor Steve, right? You're detention Steve. You're getting held back Steve. You're in 10th grade math when you're a senior Steve because you screw around. And now you want people to follow you? It's going, he says it's probably going to take you. If you would have went somewhere else where nobody knew you, maybe you could have built some credibility off your good looks and your nice preaching. But here nobody's going to care. And he kind of spoke like that. I remember thinking to myself, I'm just going to hang up on you. You can shut up, right? And I've always, like, I remember looking back and holding that to, like, that's the type of friend you want to surround yourself with. You're going to consult the Word of God. You're going to ask the Holy Spirit to confirm it. That's the courage. That's the strength. That's the peace. That's the power. Confirm it. Then, then maybe, maybe sometimes on the really big ones, you want to go to somebody spiritually who you trust and say, here's what I'm thinking about doing. What do you think? What do you think? Big faith people, integrity people. And number four, real, real simple, go do it. Go complete it. Go, go do it. There's a lot of people that live their life just talking. You ever meet somebody just talk about everything? Next year I'm going to do this. Next year comes. Next year I'm going to do this. 
Next year, I'm going to start this. Next year, I'm going to work on this. And they never do it. And here's what I found that happens in all avenues of life. There's businesses that are constantly talking about next year. Meanwhile, new businesses are starting. and They're so far ahead of them that they don't even know what to do. Eventually, you just got to do it. You got to listen to God and you got to do what he says. You're going to consult the word of God. His will never contradicts his word. Confirmation from the spirit. Maybe that's where you're at right now. Holy Spirit, right now, would you comfort me? Would you guide me? Would you convict me? Would you speak clearly to me right now? Maybe when you leave this place, it's such a big decision that you you talk it out. If you're a married person, I, I would say your number one person you would want to speak with is your spouse. I can tell you right now, 100% of the time that I didn't listen to my wife, it did not turn out well for me. 100% of the conversations that she was like, you need to have, but I didn't want to have them, I look back and I should have had them. So the main person I go to now, after the word of God and after the Holy Spirit, is the, the closest thing to Jesus on this side of eternity for me and my wife. Some of you have that, right? And you just speak to them. Some of you aren't married. You need a, you need a best friend. Who you hang out with is, is where you're going. Hey, I need to speak to you with this. The word of God is calling me to this. Uh, Confirmation has come. What do you think? Man, let's do it. I'll pray with you. I'll help you move. I'll help you do what you're called to do. I'll get up early with you. Let's do this together. And then you just get up and you just do what God has called you to do. Some of you are just wasting your life away. Week after week after week after week, you're, you're waiting. And God is saying it's time to get up and do what I've called you to do. Some of you are going, I don't know how it's going to work out obedience, not outcome. I'm going to teach you this next week. Your main job is obedience. God's job is outcome. The promise of scripture is when you step out in obedience, God can do immeasurably more than you could ever ask, dream, or imagine. But you have to step out. Consult the word of God. Confirmation from the Holy Spirit. Seek wise counsel. And then just get up and do what God has called you to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet one more time all over our houses and just bow our heads and close our eyes. just do what God has called us to do. Some of you are not there right now. I'm not trying to uh, manipulate you into some great decision. Sometimes the biggest decisions are just to keep doing what you're doing. That's it. You're just going to keep doing what you're doing. But there's others of you that you are in a big decision. This year has changed a lot of things. It just has. It's called a lot of people to evaluate their life and evaluate what they're going through and evaluate the direction of their life and realize life is really short. It's just, it just goes. And there's been things you've been afraid of, scared of, intimidated by. And here you are at the precipice of the opportunity to make the decision that God has called you to make. Just do it. Just step out and do it. I've already talked to some people. Like, I just stepped out. Dude, what do you have to lose? Listen, the opposite or the enemy of your your life is comfort. That's the enemy of your life, comfort. This is the way I've always done it. This is how I've always talked. This is how my parents always did it. This is what we always did. I'm not saying that stuff is right or wrong, but there's sometimes God calls you to something different. There's sometimes God calls you outside of your comfort level, into the unknown, into deeper waters. Just do it. Just do it. Here's the best decision you could ever make. Some of you, you you're followers of Christ, and you have decisions you need to make in this room. The, The Spirit of God is clearly speaking Some of you, he's right now speaking in a way that he has never spoken before. But the number one thing you need to do to step out and complete is you need to completely give your life to Jesus Christ. Some of you have been dragging your feet there. Some of you have been holding back there. 
Some of you have been intimidated or afraid there. Some of you think your past is too messed up for you to fully follow Christ. Some of you think he can't use your life because of the mistakes that you've made. Some of you, you're, you're worried that if you give him everything, he's going to let you down. My God will never leave you. He will never let you down. He will never forsake you. Your greatest purpose your greatest potential, your greatest joy is on the other side of humbling yourself before a holy God so that he can lift you up. What does that mean? Some of you have been trying to carry your life on your own, control your life, be responsible. How do I know that you've been doing that? Because you can hardly sleep at night. You're full of anxiety. Anxiety is not from the spirit. Anxiety is as a result of man to control their surroundings. And you and me both know that we are not in control. Life of the Bible says is but a, a breath. You're not in control. You can give your life to the one who is, though. You can trust him. You can find rest and hope and mercy. The Bible says if that's you in this moment and you're ready to completely give your life to Christ, the Bible says you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you fully fully obey and follow him that you believe he died on a cross for your sins in your place because you know you're a sinner and a holy righteous God cannot take you back which is why you carry so much condemnation in your spirit outside of Christ you would be stuck there but Jesus came to save you and set you free and in him you become a brand new creation in him you're set free in him the past is made clean the future is secure and the Bible says, in this moment, when you recognize that you need Jesus, the Bible says, if you would call on him, he'll come into your life. He'll set you free. He'll save you. That's the first step. That's the first step of courage. That's the first, just do it. The Lord's calling you. Some of you have been here for the last couple weeks, and the Lord has continued to call you. In Montgomeryville, the Lord has continued to call you, and you've hesitated, and you dragged your feet, and you've said next week. Well, guess what? It's next week. Your life isn't any better. It's still hurting. Your bitterness is still raging. Your anger is controlling you. Your family is still breaking apart. Your marriage is in shambles. You tried everything else. Why don't you completely give your life to Jesus Christ right now? Why don't you step into faith in him? Jesus, I don't want to do it on my own anymore. And so here we are right now. We've talked about obedience, stepping into big time decisions. The biggest time decision you can do is to completely give your life to Jesus Christ. And so what we do at our church all over the place, watching online, Montgomeryville right here, you say, hey, that's me. You're talking to me. You've been talking to me. I want to completely give my life to Jesus Christ right now. I want, to, I, want to, I want to humble myself. I want to receive him as my Lord and my Savior. I don't want to do this life on my own anymore. Come on. With everybody's head bowed and everybody's eyes closed, the Lord's speaking to you right now in your seat. You would say that to me. Would you just shoot your hand straight up in the air and let me know? Come on. There's a hand all the way back here. Yeah, another hand right here. Another hand right here. Yes, yes, yes. Come on. Is anybody else? Another hand. Yeah. Come on. Let's keep clapping, church. Let's clap. Let's rejoice with heaven. Is there anybody else say, hey, pastor, that's me. If you're watching online, we have a moderator. You can just, a hand emoji right there. Or maybe you just say, I'm, I'm responding to the gospel in Montgomeryville. They're going to let me know here in Phoenixville. And we're just going to begin to pray all over our houses. Lord, we love you. Come on, church, let's pray. We love you, and we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you've done, all that you continue to do. Lord, we're thankful, Father, uh, that you have come to seek and save the lost. That's what the Bible says. That that's why the church exists, that we don't exist for ourselves, but we exist for this world. We exist to share the good news of Jesus Christ, the news that has changed our life, the news that gives us boldness and courage and strength to overcome the things that held us down for so long. 
And so, Lord, we're grateful for the Spirit of God that has filled these rooms. And, Lord, you're changing people. The only way that they, that they can be changed, Lord, not through effort, not by might, but the Bible says by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is coming in. Lord, addictions are being broken right now in Jesus' name. Father, the marriages are being put back together right now in Jesus' name. There's people, Lord, that have been angry and bitter for so long. It's actually who they are. And right now, that's melting off of their life. And the peace that surpasses all understanding is filling them up right now. And Lord, we're grateful for that. Lord, I'm grateful as we shared, that we stepped into the Word, Lord, that there's people today that something clicked. Something clicked in this half-hour talk where they're stepping in and they're saying, you know what? I need to go do what I'm called to do. A conversation that you've called me to have, I'm having it today. I'm not waiting until Monday. I'm not going to hesitate. I'm doing what you called me to do. There's some people, you've called them to a new workplace, Lord, a new career, a new step, Lord. There's somebody in this place, Father, you've, you've asked them for years. They've been going to school and pursuing masters and, and, and all these things. And you've asked them, Lord, they want to use their life in a different way. And something has clicked in this moment, Lord. Something has changed in this moment. Somebody in this place, it's just a conversation. It's a conversation of reconciliation where they're going to step out. Lord, they've been hesitating and dragging their feet. They're going to get on that phone and they're going to call that family member. They're going to call that friend or whoever in their past they, 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 they saw a brokenness to and they're going to reconcile in this moment. And Lord, great things are going to happen on the other side of these steps of obedience. And so we're grateful for all that you've done. We love you. We love your presence and we are grateful that we get to have church week in and week out and watch you do what only you could do. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let's say amen one more time. Let's clap really loud for two people online and somebody in Montgomeryville. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.